Today, we're going to look back in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. Chapter 5 in the Gospel of Mark. And for a thought, we want to focus on Jesus and desperation. Jesus and desperation. I believe that our county is in a desperate time. We've heard so much this past week from drive-by shootings, a shooting last night, officers being shot. There's just been so much going on that we're living in desperate times. And it is time that the church really becomes desperate about seeking the Lord. Uh, we've got to become desperate about this or we're going to continue to see our children and our loved ones dying senselessly. We're, we're seeing this at too large of a scale for a rural county like ours. And I know, <laughs> I know there's only so much we can do. But what we can do, we need to be doing it. What we can do, we need to be doing it. Today in chapter 5 of the Gospel of Mark, we're going to be looking in verses 20 through 24 for our reading. As you're turning there, a young boy desperately wanted a bicycle for Christmas. So he asked his parents for a bike. Now his parents wanted to teach him an important lesson on prayer. So they suggested that the young boy would write a letter to Jesus and pray for one instead. Now, as you can imagine, this really excited that young boy. <laughs> I can imagine he just wasn't pleased at all. As he threw a temper tantrum, his parents sent him to a room. Now, once he got to his room, he decided to take his parents' advice and to write a letter to Jesus. He started with, dear Jesus, I've been a good boy this year and I, I would love a new bicycle. Can you see if I can have a bicycle? Your friend, Johnny. Well, you all know Johnny. Johnny doesn't end things simply. <laughs> now, Johnny knew that Jesus really knew what kind of boy he had been that year. So he ripped up the letter and decided to give it another try said, dear Jesus, I've been an okay boy this year, and I want a new bike. Yours truly, Johnny. Now, Johnny knew that wasn't entirely honest as well. So Johnny gives it another try. <laughs> dear Jesus, I thought about being a good boy this year, so can I have a bicycle? Johnny. <laughs> And then Johnny looked deep in his heart, which is what his parents wanted him to do. He knew he'd been a bad boy that year. So he crumbled up that letter. He threw it in the trash can. He went downstairs to where his mother had a nativity scene on her mantle. He took the statue of Mary. He wrapped it in a, in a blanket and he hid it under his bed. And then he wrote a letter. Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, give me a bicycle. 
<laughs> Little Johnny. Some people try anything to get what they want for Christmas, won't they? We're barking up or we're approaching the Christmas season. We have Thanksgiving just a week and a half away from us. And, and Christmas right around the corner. And if there's ever a time we need to be desperate. It seemed Johnny was desperate to have a bicycle. How desperate are we for our loved ones to know Jesus Christ this year? The text tells us in verses 20 through 20, or well, 21 through 24, and I'm reading today out of the Christian Standard Bible. It says, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. This is God's. Holy Word. God, we thank you. We thank you this day that that we can come to you and we can know, God, that you are faithful. We thank you for being able to come before you and you will hear our cry. And God, as we come, we are crying out to you. We need your help. God, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds. And as we look into your word, that God, it would not just penetrate our hearts, but it would remind us of our desperation in this life. We're in a desperate time, and we're desperate for you. So, God, you move and minister upon each and every one that is in here today. And if there is one that doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, help them to see their desperate need is Jesus. Help us who do know you that our de- to see that our desperate need is to be about your business. And, God, we'll praise you for everything that's accomplished. As you move and minister, we're trusting you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. The last time we were in the gospel of Mark, Jesus and his disciples had set sail across the Sea of Galilee. They went to a region that was called the Gerasenes. Now, as soon as Jesus stepped out of the boat, he was met by a man that we remember was called Legion. Now, Legion had been cast out of his home. He had been cut off from society. He lived among the dead in the tombs. So once Jesus met Legion, it was pretty apparent that Legion was filled with evil spirits. These evil spirits had done a lot of damage to this man throughout his life. I shared last time that there are evil spirits Spirits doing everything within, our, within their power to kill, to steal, and to destroy us. They're doing everything in their power to discredit God through us. They're doing everything they can to appeal to our senses. They're, they're doing everything that they can to lead us away 
from by the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride that is built up within us. They're doing everything that they can to strip us of, of everything that we have, our character, our integrity, our friends, our family, our sense of belonging. There are spirits all around that is trying to destroy us. But we shared there's also good news. We have a Savior who is a deliverer. And he is calling us to himself. He doesn't desire for us to have a spirit of fear, but instead he desires to fill us with his, his love, to fill us with, 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 with power and of a sound mind. He wants to demonstrate his love in and through us in this dark world. We can't run and hide in this world. He wants us to be the light of the world. So this world's filled with people who are at a point of desperation. And he wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use all of us who know him as Lord and Savior. He wants to use those that we use us for those who we come in contact with, who doesn't have who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants us to, to have an impact in their lives so they can go out and have an impact in lives of others. He wants us to have such an impact that they see their desperate need for a Savior. In today's text, we can see a desperate need for Jesus. When we look here in this passage, what we see is the desperation of a father. Jesus and his disciples had crossed back over the Sea of Galilee. They've returned to Capernaum. And it doesn't appear that Jesus got very far from the boat when this large crowd gathered around him. I'm not sure, but it's possible that this large crowd was anticipating and just waiting on his return. It appears that this crowd was anxious maybe to hear more of his teachings. Right after this crowd meets Jesus, a ruler or a leader in the synagogue. He may be in both. He approaches Jesus, falling to his feet and begging him earnestly. He tells Jesus that his daughter is at the point of death. He asks Jesus to come and lay his hands and, and to make her well. This ruler's approach to Jesus, it testifies to his desperation. Well, you may be wondering how did Jairus' approach to Jesus reveal his desperation. Well, notice Jairus didn't care what it was going to cost him. What I mean by this is that he had to get to Jesus no matter what the repercussions were. Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue. This would suggest that within the Jewish community, um, at least here in Capernaum, that he was well respected. He would have been considered an important man in their community. But it was no secret that the religious leaders or the leaders, the religious leaders of that time in that, in that area, they, they opposed Jesus. As a matter of fact, in chapter 3, in verse 6, we, we went over that, the, that when Jesus declared that, when Jesus declared that, that this man who had been, he declared the man's sins were forgiven, that they cast him out. As a matter of fact, the leaders, the, the Pharisees, along with the Herodians, they went out to try to plot to kill 
Jesus. And with this happening, Jairus was putting himself in danger of hostility from those who supported the Pharisees and the Herodians by going to approach Jesus. By going to ask Jesus for help, he was risking his position and his profession. But that weren't all that was going on. What is evident is when you read this, verses 38 through 40 tells us there were people at Jairus' home. So we have to ask the question, why would he leave his sick daughter who's on the verge of death to go find Jesus? Why wouldn't Jairus send someone who was in the home to go find Jesus? Well, I've said this before. No one's crying over your child like you will. No one's going to weep and cry out to the Lord over yours like you will. Jairus was in desperate need of Jesus at this time. But it wasn't just that. It's just possible. It's possible that those of Jairus' household understood that if, if we go look for Jesus, we're going to face opposition from those who are opposing Jesus as well. We don't know what we will lose. So maybe out of fear of facing this opposition, there was nobody who was willing to leave the home to go find Jesus. So with Jairus being a synagogue leader, it's reasonable to believe that, that all of his family, the leaders of the synagogue, they knew his family. Well... It's possible this is the reason why no one would go find Jesus for this girl. And Jairus had to leave his daughter. Jairus was so desperate. He wasn't just not concerned with what it was going to cost him, but he humbled himself. We can't say it enough. He's a leader. He's a ruler in the synagogue, but he humbles himself. The Bible says he falls at Jesus' feet. He fell at his feet. The, this ruler, this leader pushed his way through this large crowd. And he made his way to where Jesus was. He fell at his feet. And in this moment of desperation, he laid down his pride. And he humbly bowed before this man, Jesus. And James 4 and 10 tells us to humble ourselves before the Lord. And he will exalt you. He didn't just bow down at Jesus' feet. He pled with Jesus. He was pleading with him. The, the Christian standard Bible says that he begged him earnestly. Some of your Bible says that he besought Jesus. This means that he called to one side. In other words, he was telling Jesus, I need you to come with me. Leave everybody here. I need you to come with me. He was pleading for Jesus' help. Psalm 91, 15 through 16 tells us when he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him as long, well, with a long life and show him my salvation. Folks, when we get serious with God, God is always going to be serious with us. Here, this ruler, this leader, he came to Jesus believing in the power of Jesus. And he said, come, lay your hands on her that she can be made well. Oh, he was in a desperate state. During 1933, during the inaugural address of President Franklin Roosevelt, he sought to calm 
a troubled America. We were, America was in the throes of a depression. And he said this, there is nothing to fear but fear itself. Fear is a feeling of dread, alarm, panic, and anxiety. Fear ranges from mild anxiety to panic attacks. Research indicates that we are born with only two fears. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Those are the only two things you're born afraid of. Everything else you're afraid of, you've learned to be afraid of it. It wasn't inherent in you. It was learned by you. Fear takes on many forms. The fear of success, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of disease, the fear of failure, or the fear of the future, the fear of life after death. Jesus described the last days as being intense, worldwide fear. Fear produces negative effects. Fear paralyzes decision-making. Fear immobilizes action. Fear hinders prayer. Fear limits faith. Fear restricts relationships. It lowers productivity. It jeopardizes health. And it stifles joy. That's what fear does. And because of fear, Adam and Eve hid from God in the garden. Because of fear, Israel forfeited Canaan. Because of fear, Ephraim uh, turned back in the day of a battle Because of fear, Saul's army, they fled from Goliath. Because of fear, Gideon lost 22,000 of his 32,000 fighting men. Because of fear, Elijah suffered depression. Because of fear, Jonah ran from the call of God. Because of fear, the man with one talent buried it in the ground. Christ's disciples crawled out. Oh, cried out to him in fear. Master, do you not care that we perish? Because of fear, they abandoned him at the cross. In a world of fear, God speaks. (laughs) Fear not, only believe. This is what he tells Jairus. In the midst of your desperation, in the midst of your fear, fear not, only believe. Jairus was in a desperate time. He was in a desperate situation. His daughter was dying. His position could could not save her. His profession could not save her. His family, friends, acquaintances could not save her. But he had heard of a man named Jesus. And he had probably even heard him speak in the synagogues. He He had heard about how he had cast out demons from others. And I'm sure he had heard about him healing this man with leprosy. He... He had decided no longer was he going to be afraid of what the religious leaders, what might do to him. Instead, he knew his daughter needed help, and he went to Jesus for help. Psalm 22, 19 through 21 says, But you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength, come quickly to help me. Rescue my life from the sword, my only life from the power of these dogs. Save me. From the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen. I don't know, you may be here today and you are lost. Or you may be far from God. And if the gospel of Jesus Christ has not penetrated your life, you're in a desperate situation. 
Whether you realize it or not, you're in a desperate situation. There's an enemy out there who is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is busy deceiving people. He's busy destroying lives. And you in your own power cannot stand against him. But fear not. Only believe that if you surrender your life to Jesus, he will come to help you. If you call upon him, he will in no wise cast you out. You don't have to be afraid of what others will say. You don't have to be afraid what others will do. You don't have to be afraid of what they may even think. All you have to do is just trust Jesus. Don't be afraid of what might, you might lose. <laughs> think about what you're going to gain. Besides, what profit is it to gain the whole world? And lose your soul. In this text, we see the desperation of a father. And we see the deliverance of a savior. This ruler or this leader, he responds in faith. Before Jesus and the ruler can get through the crowd, Jairus receives heartbreaking news. His daughter is dead. Jairus had done all that he could. He pushed through the crowds. He spotted Jesus. He convinced him to come home with him. And now, before they can even get through the crowd, he's received the news that his daughter's died. I imagine he's wondering, why? Why did I leave her? I knew she didn't have long. Why, why was I not by her side? I imagine it just welled up in him. This was all for nothing. But Jesus heard the news and he told Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. So Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they followed Jairus to his home. And once they arrived there, there's a scene of commotion all throughout the house. The people were weeping and wailing. I've been here a little while now. We've went through a few things. I've experienced grief myself, and I've gone through grief with many families in this place. And understand, I'm aware that grief is a real response. It's a natural response. I'm aware that it is healthy to grieve, but we must grieve in a healthy way. I want you to know that I understand that we must go through the grieving process. But we can't. No matter how mild, no matter how tragic the circumstance, The answer to our grief is not to lose control of our emotions. Our answer to our grief is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus is the one who can and will comfort us. Our emotions will not comfort us. They'll lead us down a dangerous path. But Jesus, he will comfort us. He will assure us. He will strengthen us. He will uphold us if we look to him. None of the mourners in the home of Jairus was helping Jairus and his wife in any way, shape, or form. So Jesus spoke up and said, why are you making all this commotion? Why are you weeping like this? The child's not dead. The child's asleep. And Jesus had them removed. He knew what they were doing was a waste of time. So he had them removed. He told them, get get them out of the house. They don't need to be anybody in here but this child, its mother, its father, me, and these disciples I brought. At this point, Jesus asks, where's the room? You know what he does when he asks that question? He offers hope. (laughs) He offers hope. Where's her room? Listen, folks, there's hope in Jesus. I understand that at death, there's a longing for our hearts to be with our loved ones who's passed. But Jesus has made, made that actually possible for those who know the Lord as knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Through the power of the resurrection, we have hope and assurance that nothing ends with the grave. There is hope of eternal life. Death on this side of life is just a shadow. It's nothing to be feared. We're going to pass through the portals of death and we're going to enter into eternal life. So John in chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life and the one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. This ruler, this leader, After hearing his daughter had died, he believed Jesus. He brought Jesus to his home. He put out the mourners. He took Jesus to the girl. Seeing this father's faith, Jesus took the girl by the hand and simply said, little girl, I say to you, get up. (laughs) Get up. (laughs) And she arose. (laughs) One day, Brother Henry... I might be in a grave out here, but one day Jesus is coming back and he's going to say, get up, and I'm getting out of the grave. It don't end with the grave. I got a father. I got a brother who's gone on, and I believe with everything in me, they're with the Lord, but one day he's going to tell them to get up. And there's not enough money, there's not enough ground at Lumbee Memorials to keep them in the ground. They're going to rise up. And I, you who have loved ones, I want you to know if they know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they're getting up. Well, preacher, mine's been cremated. It doesn't matter. He's got a new body fashioned and formed just for them. They were lost at sea. It doesn't matter. He has a new body for them. I'm not going to look the way I look right now. <laughs> When I get to be with Jesus, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to look, 
but I'm not going to look like I do now. But ever how I look, people are going to know me as I'm known. How is that? As Jesus knows me right now, as God sees me through the blood of his son, that's how everybody will know me. For once in, for once in my life, I will be the perfect reflection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so will you. If you know him, if you know him, I want to encourage us all today. Jesus is the answer to our desperation. If we will by faith not be afraid and believe in him, he will astound us with what he wants to do in and through our lives. The Bible says, the Bible says that they were astounded. And he gave them strict orders to say nothing at that time. The only thing Jesus wants us to be desperate for in this life is him. It's him. When we're desperate for him, we will love the gospel. In our desperation for him, we will discover that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to anyone who will believe. When we are desperate for him, we will live the gospel. Faith in the gospel opens our eyes to those who are blind. It opens the ears to those who are deaf. It makes the lame to walk and it wakes up the dead. It makes us live again. To those who are desperate for him, we will share the gospel. The gospel changes our focus. We no longer look out for just ourselves. But we'll want everyone to be impacted by the gospel. Jesus, he is our deliverer. And he must be the subject of our desperation in this life. Mylon Lefebvre, I think that's the way he pronounces it. He recorded a song that you all know. The lyrics say this, without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. The second verse says, without him, I would be dying. Without him, I'd be enslaved. Without him, life would be hopeless. But with Jesus, thank God, I am saved. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Please don't turn him away. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, without him, how lost I would be. Without him, we are desperate. But with him, we are saved. How about you? Pray with me, would you? God, as we prepare for this time of invitation, God, we need you right now. God, we make this desperate plea that you would move and minister upon the hearts of everyone that is here today. For those of us who have received your Son as our Lord and Savior, help us 
to be desperate for your call in our lives. To seek you and to follow what you are leading us to do. Oh God, help us to be the people that you would have us to be in this cruel and dark world. God, help us. We are so desperate. Help us, God, to sense how serious a time it is. Time is drawing nigh. We must be about our Father's business. God, for those who have yet to receive you through your Son, Jesus, I pray that you would help them to see, reveal to them right now their desperate need of a Savior. Oh, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He lived a sinless life. He came from heaven, born of a virgin. He is your holy son. And he died for the sin of the world. Oh, God, help them to see that he didn't just die, but he rose on the third day. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And God, right now, he's calling them to himself. Help them to see their need in this life to call upon the name of the Lord for they will be saved. Oh God, help them to see their need for you. God, right now, there may be someone who's contemplating giving their life to you. Speak to their heart. Minister to them right now. And if it's you, If you believe that Jesus is God's son, you believe that he died on an old rugged cross, you believe he rose from the grave, you believe he did this for you. All you have to do is thank him for dying for you. Thank him for rising from the grave for you. Ask him right now, to forgive you of your sins and trust that he has forgiven you. God, move and minister, would you? We'll praise you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's one here and you pray the prayer believing who Jesus is, believing that he has forgiven you of your sins, As they sing this song, would you come? Would you come and just tell me that today you've been saved? Is there one? Is there one?